0: Hi, I'm Ben Pilgrim, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the Bay, or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what He's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey. We'll be right back. back. There's so much about San Francisco that has fascinated me during this season. In fact, I want you to take a moment right now and just go in the chat while we're getting warmed up here and write about the things that you have found to be fascinating in our city over these last seven months. And while you're doing that, let me give you two of mine. Here are two of the things that I have been fascinated by. One is the absence of people and two is the presence of construction. The absence of people and the presence of construction. I'm now downtown several times throughout the week, and there just aren't the kind of people that used to be here. Pre-COVID, it was said that 500,000 people walked Market Street every single day, and now there's not a ton of people around, but there's so much construction happening. Case in point, this past Tuesday night, I led my small group from Epic. Don't freak out. No one else was here. You're not the only one on Zoom. We're all on Zoom for our small groups. But after I finished leading my group, it was about 8.15, I walked out the doors of the church, I had parked several blocks away, and I barely saw another human walking to my car, and it was 8.15 p.m. However, trying to leave downtown, I got stuck because of construction that was happening and what materials they were bringing in on the street. It's crazy to me to see how much construction is happening, not just downtown, but everywhere. A couple of weeks ago, PG&E let our family know that we were not going to have power for the first part of the day. Now, pre-COVID, that would have been fine. I would have been at Epic. The kids would have been at their schools. But all four of our children are going to school at home, and apparently they need internet to do that. I was going to elementary school in the 80s, so I'm not sure what that even means. Um, Also, Minnie Lee, who's a part of our staff, the week after, um, she said there was such violent construction happening outside of her home that she felt like she was constantly undergoing an earthquake. Apparently, it's a great time to tear things down, replace things, and rebuild things. I don't know about you, but if I'm honest, I kind of wish things never had to be rebuilt. I wish we could just get it right the first time and we never would have to reconstruct anything in our lives. But if we've learned anything in this season and what we're going to continue to learn throughout our earthly lives is this, nearly everything in our lives will at least at one point, if not multiple points, have to be rebuilt again. And when you come to that moment, when I come to that moment, when we as a church come to that moment, and you're like, something's got to change here or else, you do have a choice to make as we continue this Choose the Future series. You'll see it on the screen, but here's what I want to say to us. When things aren't what they used to be, we can either make a commitment to rebuild or choose to live in the ruins of what used to be. I want you to think about your church, your city, your marriage, your family. When, when we come to that moment when things are not what they used to be, you have a choice. And These are very different paths we can take. We can, one, either make a commitment to rebuild whatever it takes, or you and I can choose to live in the ruins of what used to be. I think today would be a really helpful day for you to take notes. I think that every week, but I'm going to give you a framework today that I think God is going to help shape my future, your future, and our future together with. Here's the question I want to lead off with. What needs to be rebuilt in your life? What needs to be rebuilt in your life? Is it your retirement account? Is it your career? Is it your character? Is it the city of San Francisco? Is it your reputation? Is it your marriage? Is it your family? Is it Epic Church? Is it your sense of hope? Is it your own personal faith in Jesus? Maybe it's multiple things, but I want each of us to hone in on one thing that needs to be rebuilt in this season. As we walk back into Nehemiah's story, he's got the same choice to make. Will Nehemiah 1 choose to rebuild Jerusalem, or will he too allow the people who live there to remain in the ruins of what used to be? I don't know about you, but I've probably spent too much of my life abiding in the ruins of something that used to be, rather than getting on with the rebuilding process in whatever area that needed to be rebuilt. The choice Nehemiah had, I think it's the choice that you and I have, and I don't care what it is that you need to rebuild, I believe these elements I'm going to give you today, that's what I'm calling this message, the elements of rebuilding, I believe the, the elements are present for whatever it is you're called to rebuild. So I want you to think about your individual thing that you're called to rebuild. And for us collectively, let's think about rebuilding Epic Church. Let's think about rebuilding collectively the city of San Francisco. Nehemiah chapter two, 11 through 20 is where I want to go today. And I'm serious when I say that I believe you and I are going to receive a framework The elements necessary, the ingredients, if you wish, to rebuild whatever it is you need to rebuild. By the way, for those of you who are thinking, Ben, I don't want to rebuild something, I just need to build something, these elements will apply for the most part if you're just starting something that you're not rebuilding, you're just simply building. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11 through 20, Nehemiah gives us these words, "'I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others.' I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, "'You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace.'" I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. I pray that God will bless the teaching of his word and that you will receive the framework that he wants to give us through Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 20. You might wanna run right by verse 11 when it says that he got there and he didn't do anything for three days. I want to hold up at that point and let you know, this is the first group of elements related to rebuilding whatever it is we need to rebuild. Did Nehemiah do nothing for those three days? As I got into different commentators, they said, if if you combine the commentators that I was studying, they said he likely did a combination of these three things over those 72 hours. He likely rested, prayed, and observed. He rested, he prayed, and observed. And I contrast those three ideas with how we tend to react right away. We think something, oh no, we just go for it. But what if we rested more, prayed more, and observed more? Let me tell you what would happen in whatever the big vision you wanna rebuild something in for your life. If you rested more, and if I rested more, if we prayed more, if we observed more, here's what would happen. We would approach our work with greater mental and physical energy. We would approach it with the Spirit's power, and we would approach it with the wisdom of God. I know you want to run into it. Others of you are lazy. That's not who I'm talking to. But those of us who just want to run into things, what if you just took a moment to rest? Observe the Sabbath. Go back to that practice we discovered in the last series. And what if you prayed more before you acted? And what if we observed what is before we made our big plans? That's the first element or group of elements. The second one is this. When God puts something in your heart, discern who to tell and when to tell them. This is so huge, I'm gonna spend quite a bit of time on this one. When God puts something in your heart, discern who should you tell and when should you actually tell them. In verse 12, Nehemiah says, I had not told anyone what God had deposited in my heart to do for the city of Jerusalem. In verse 16, he says, as of yet, meaning he's going to tell them eventually, but as of yet, he's like, I haven't told the Jews, I didn't tell the priests, I didn't tell the nobles, I didn't tell the officials yet, and I had not told all of the others who were eventually going to join me in the work but we do this so differently here's what we do we think we have to tell everything to everyone right away when we have a thought we're like I got to tell the world and now you have the tools to do it cue the Instagram promo we think we have to tell everything to everyone right away and Nehemiah's like not yet not not yet I wanna give you some things that I think can be huge for you in this section of the message. Here's the first one. There are some things God puts in your heart that are just for you. There there are some things, and I love to spout off and be the first to tell, so I'm I'm with you in that. But I've gotta know, and you've gotta know, there are some things God puts in our hearts that are just for us, no one else. So there are some things God puts in your heart just for you. Next, there are some things God puts in your heart just for a few, just for a few. Not for everyone, not just for you, but just for a few. There are other things that God puts in your heart that are for a larger group, and then hear me on this. I think there are few things God puts in your heart that are for everyone. Some things just for you. Some things just for a few. Some things for an expanding, larger group, but I think few things that are for everyone. When God first gave me the idea that turned into starting Epic Church from the ground up, I quickly told Shauna, and after I told Shauna, Shauna sat with that initial idea for about 10 days. Now, over those 10 days, I mean, I know I'm not the best, but over those 10 days, do you think I was tweeting to the world that we're starting a church? Do you think I was casting vision to a team? Do you think I was raising money? No, patience is not my middle name. It's not any of my name, but I still, I just had to wait in her waiting. I had to, and then 10 days after I told her, she came back and she said, Ben, I'm beginning to get the same sense that you shared, that, that we're supposed to start a church in some major city somewhere. Well, once we had that confirmation between the two of us, then we began to cast a vision with just a few who were the people that we thought would be the best founding members to join us on the Epic Church team. So after that, so we're doing that, we're sharing that, and then we begin to tell our families. Then I had to tell the guy who was my boss at the time, and then eventually, because you know about it today, we did start making it public. And so there's this real interesting thing that we have to do, especially in this season. Guys, there's so much going on, and there's a lot being asked of a whole lot of us in this season, and I'll just say this, and I'm okay with what I'm about to tell you, but there's a lot being asked of me in the season. Again, I'm okay with that. But what I cannot do is to allow every other human that wants something from me to derail what God wants to do in and through me. I cannot allow them to speed up a process that God wants to slow down. I cannot allow them to make me make something public that God has told me not yet to make public. So I wanna give you three questions I'm starting to ask. Please write these down. I think that'll be so helpful for you, even if you never come back to Epic again. So wherever you go, here are these three questions, especially as we head into um, this presidential election that we're less than a month from, especially with all the kind of outrage being spewed. Let me give you these three questions that you can ask about any situation as God is stirring and giving you discernment. Here's the first question about any situation. Is this something I should stay silent about? Is this, whatever it is, is this something I should stay silent about? Now, I want to be honest before I get to the other questions. Oftentimes, we are staying silent about the things we should be speaking about, and we're saying everything about the things we should shut up about. So the first question I want to ask is, is this something, okay, God, you're giving it to me. You're helping me think through how I think about the world, how I think about politics, how I think about all of these issues. Is this something that I should stay silent about? Sometimes we stay silent because we should be silent forever. Sometimes, guys, we should stay silent because we're still working out what we think and what our opinion is. We don't have to share it all along the way. Is this something I should stay silent about? Now, if you're like me, at least like I used to think, I used to think that silence was a form of weakness in someone who just wasn't willing to say what they really believed or thought. But then I began to look at the life of Jesus. And I wanna encourage you with this. If you think silence is weakness or if you just wanna learn about responding to people in this crazy world we live in today, just walk through all four gospels, note every question that Jesus gets asked and watch how rarely he answers the questions he gets asked. But if you're like me, I can feel a pressure. Everybody in the church will know, what about this? What about that? What about that? I'm like, ask Will. Or I just stay silent. Like I don't have to tell everybody everything. And it's not because I'm keeping secrets. It's just like not everything is for everyone. So first question, is this something I should stay silent about? Second question is really important too. Is this something I should share privately and if so, with whom? Is this something I should share privately and if so, with whom? Oftentimes when you are supposed to share, it's still not with everyone. It might just be your spouse. It might be your best friend. It might be your small group. It, it, it might be your parents. For me, there are a lot of things that I am supposed to share privately, but I don't share it with everyone. There are lots of things that I share just with Shauna. As our kids are getting older, there are lots of things we share just as a family. There are lots of things that I share with my dad or my mentors. There are lots of things that I only share with our lead staff team here at Epic. There are lots of things that I only share with my personal wisdom table in my life. And so that's the first question is, is this something I should stay silent about? The second question is, is this something I should share privately, and if so, with whom? Third question. Is this something I should share publicly, and if so, when? Is this something I should share publicly, and if so, when? So even if you think, oh, God, you're telling me to share it publicly, get the timing right. I love Nehemiah doing this. He's like, I hadn't told anyone yet, and then I still hadn't told the people that I'm going to tell eventually, but I wanted to make sure my timing was right. Timing really matters, and though our timing isn't always perfect, God's timing is. So again, those three questions that I think can change the game for so many of us. Is this something I should stay silent about? Is this something I should share privately, and if so, with whom? And third, is this something I should share publicly, and if so, when? Here's the third element to rebuilding, though. This is big. Strategic wisdom is needed to move something from where it is to where it should be. Strategic wisdom is needed to move something from where it is to where it should be. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Ben, I hear this kind of language in principle, in my corporation or my organization or in my company, but I didn't expect to hear that at church. And I want to say, why not? Here's why strategic matters for those of us who are trying to, strategic wisdom matters for those of us trying to orient our entire life around Jesus. There's no one more strategic in the entire universe than God. There's no one who is wiser in the entire universe than God. And I love Nehemiah. You see a couple of different times this phrase, examining the walls or examining the gates. Nehemiah, before he made a plan, he needed the strategic wisdom so he would know what needed to be rebuilt. Guys, if we're going to rebuild something, we have to take inventory to know what is broken down and what is missing so we know what to rebuild. I love this idea. What do you need God's strategic wisdom in regards to? Again, It would be silly to start building something if you don't even know what's broken down, where the gaps are, or what is missing. Where do you need strategic wisdom? Next element for rebuilding anything in your life is, at some point, you're going to have to cast vision to a group of people. At some point, you're going to have to start casting vision to a group of people, Um, a lot of you don't know this, and that's totally fine. Some of you, I forgot to tell that I should have told, but a few years ago, I wrote a leadership guide for our church, specifically for our frontline leaders here at Epic, and I'm glad to give you one if, if you're interested in one. But one of the things I share in this leadership guide is a vision casting template. And I wanna share it with you, and you'll see it in Nehemiah's life. I'm gonna give you these three elements or three components to casting vision. Here's, here's the template. Share the exciting opportunity, Share the obstacles that stand in the way, and then share that this is something we can do with God's help. Share the exciting opportunity. That's where you start. Share the obstacles that stand in the way, and then share that this is something we can do with God's help. Does Nehemiah follow this template? Yes. Did he get it from me? No. I wrote it like in 2017. He's hanging out in 445 BC. Nonetheless, here we go. Share the exciting opportunity. How does he do this? Guys, let's go rebuild Jerusalem so it will no longer be in disgrace. That's exciting. Number two, share the obstacles that stand in the way. Guys, Jerusalem is in ruins and its gates have been burned by fire. They're the obstacles. Number three, share that this is something we can do with God's help. He told them, I told, he told them that the gracious hand of his God was on him, and he told them what the king had said. He's letting them know that this is something we can do, and God is going to help us. So my question for you, and what you're seeking to build or rebuild in your life, here it is. What vision do you need to be casting and to whom? What vision do you need to be casting and to whom? If you're going to start something new, a nonprofit, a ministry, an organization, a company... What vision do you need to cast and to whom? You need to cast a vision around why this is needed in the world and to whom? Probably potential team members and potential donors. If you have a vision to rebuild your marriage, who do you need to cast a vision to? You've got to cast a vision to your spouse. If they're not on board, it won't really matter who else you cast a vision to. But I would also encourage you to cast vision to a couple who's further along, whose marriage you respect and you know you could learn from. Cast vision and say, hey, you guys have this thing going on for you. We'd love to learn from you. Maybe you need to cast vision to a marriage and family therapist. Hey, we really want your help. We want to have a great marriage, but we can't do this on our own. Um, If you want to go deeper in your discipleship to Jesus, what I would encourage you to do is cast that vision to three or four other people, probably of the same gender, and say, hey, could we get together more than just once a week? Could, Could we go through this book in the Bible? Could we go through this study? Could we hold each other accountable? Could we offer loving correction and gently rebuke each other because we know we want to be fully formed into disciples of Jesus? If you were the lead pastor of Epic Church, what kind of vision would you need to be casting? You would need to be casting this kind of vision. You would need to be thinking, okay, February, we turned 10 years old as a church. Ben, you've got to tell the people what you believe God is stirring in our hearts. And here's what I believe God is stirring in our hearts. Ben, we did some amazing things. God, you mostly did amazing things that first decade. But Ben, I want to do more things and greater things in your second decade as a church community, even than I did in the first one. And Ben, you need to tell them they don't want to miss out on this. So I'm telling you, you do not want to miss out on this. Nehemiah also answers a question that we should forever be asking, and it's this question. In any endeavor, here's the question. Is God in this? Is God in this? Ask this question about everything you're thinking about moving into. If you're going to change industries or just change jobs within the same industry, you've got to ask the question, is God in this? If you're thinking about making a deeper commitment to our church, or anytime you make a commitment to a church, you want to ask about that church, is God in this? Some of you are thinking about starting to date someone. Some of you are thinking about stopping your dating relationship. Others of you are considering making a lifelong covenant commitment to someone before you move into any of those decisions. Can I beg you, please ask about that relationship. God, are you in this? I only wanna, I only wanna be in what God is in. I only wanna go where God goes. I only wanna stay when God says stay. You wanna ask that question, God, are you in in this. And Nehemiah tells them two things. He says, I told them the hand of my God was on me. And then listen, to this is really important. Don't miss it. Then he says, I also told them what the king said. What does he mean? Well, for me to tell you, hey, God's hand is on our church. That's one thing. But when I can tell you stories about how his hand is on the church, Nehemiah says, I told them that the king gave us his blessing. He let me leave my post. He gave us the resources we needed. God is in this. So when I say, hey, here's how God's providing, here's how, who God is growing, here's what God is opening up for our church, it's our way here at Epic of saying, we want you to know, yes, we can tell you God is in this. Please believe us. I think we've earned that credibility over the last decade, not perfectly, but we also wanna be able to point at things like, hey, look at how this person's growing in their faith. Look at how that family and that marriage got reconciled. Look at the kind of impact we're making in our city. God is in this. Come on, let's go. cast the vision. And I love their response. They enthusiastically bought in. Don't you love it when someone enthusiastically buys in? Because in my mind, you guys are always going to enthusiastically buy in, but in reality, it didn't happen like that. It even happens in my family. I'm like, I'm going to tell them I'm doing this great thing. We're going to go to this restaurant. I'm going to cast the vision. They're going to be thrilled. They're going to tell me I probably am going to get greatest dad of the year again. Just kidding. I've never gotten that from my own kids, but they do tell me I'm funny. Guys, they enthusiastically respond to Nehemiah. And I love this. It says, they said, so let us start rebuilding. And here's the, verse, the end of verse 18. So they began this good work. Huge principle as I move along in the elements for rebuilding. Write this one down. Here we go. At some point, our future is going to be tied to our willingness to put in the work. Uh, There's kind of come a point, yes, vision, cast. yes, strategic wisdom, yes, God has downloaded it, but at some point, my future, your future, our collective future is going to be tied to our willingness to put in the work. Every husband and wife should know this, write this down. The future of your marriage is tied to your willingness to put in the work. We're talking a lot these days, which I love about racial reconciliation and solving justice issues. And we're learning, at least I hope you're learning and we're listening and I hope you're listening and we're praying, I hope that you're praying, but at some point in time, we must be willing to put in the work. For the future of Epic Church, I love big vision. I love strategic wisdom. I love all of that, but at some point in time, I have told our team and they know this and sometimes they say to me, Ben, we've gotta go do this now. Our future is not tied to whether God will show up and do the work. He's like, Ben, I'm in. He's asking me and he's asking you and all of us here in this church and in this city, will you put in the work? And the last element I want to share with you is the least fun element. But you need to write it down. Unfortunately, not everyone will be for you and what you are called to rebuild. Unfortunately, Not everyone will be for you and what you're called to rebuild. I used to believe this was different. Back when we started our church, I read all these church planning books, and everyone, every single one of them said, at some point in time, the people that you started the church with will walk out on you. Not us, baby. We are going to ride for life, right? I can tell you 10 years in, both from just living life and in my role here at Epic, and I want to say this to you. There are some people that you think now will ride with you for life who will one day walk out for good. I'm going to say this again. Like, Ben, don't crush me. I'm just going to tell you the truth so that your expectations are rightly set. I can't tell you who, and don't start thinking about who. There are some people that you think are going to ride with you for life who actually are going to walk out for good. And when they do, there is a gut check, at least there is for me, and we have to then ask the question again, do I really want to go through with this? There have been people that told me, Ben, your vision's off course. That Ben, don't get this building for the church. Ben, don't do that. And I need to listen. But when people decide they want to walk out on the vision, you've got to decide. I've got to decide. We've got to decide. Will we ride it out regardless? Look at what he says to these three guys. These three guys in verse 19, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. They say to him, Nehemiah, what is this you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? He says back to them, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding, but for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Essentially, here's what Nehemiah said. I wish you were for us, but you're not going to stop us. I wish you were in, but we're still in. I I, I wish that you joined us, but God is still going to do his thing through us. But... You will have no share in what happens here. How about you? What is God calling you to rebuild? What is God calling you to be a part of? Will you stand on the sidelines, or will you become a shareholder in your marriage, in your vocation, as a leader here at Epic, in rebuilding the things in our country that are just, let's be honest, broken? What are you going to do? And then I love to think about Jesus. Let's just walk through what Jesus has done for us in terms of these elements of rebuilding. He observed that the world needed a savior. God put it in his heart. When the fullness of time had come, God sent him to be a rescuer. Strategic wisdom yeah, I wouldn't have chosen or seen it as strategic wisdom for him to think that these 11 guys would carry on the mission so that we'd be talking about it at Epic Church in 2020, but he did. He had great wisdom, but he also put his spirit in him, okay? He didn't leave him alone. He cast vision. He, he was always casting vision, wasn't he? He's like, I've come to give you abundant life, but you can choose a different path. After he cast vision, the, the next element is is God in this? Obviously, God was in it. It was God's idea. It was the Lord's will even to crush him, Isaiah says. Next element, right? At some point, we've got to be willing to put in the work. Jesus knew that our future was tied to his willingness to put in the work. Last element, unfortunately, not everyone will be for you and what you're called to rebuild. People weren't for him, as you know. In fact, the reason he's crucified on the cross is because people were not for him and what he was seeking to build and rebuild but aren't you glad that he went through with it anyway? And his finished work on the cross means this. This is huge. You and I can be rebuilt from the inside out. And some of you have been playing a church game for a long time, but you're living in the ruins of what has been your life, and he's inviting you to something more beautiful. He's inviting you to something that will bring freedom. He's inviting you into something where you can be completely rebuilt from the inside out. And I know there's many people watching right now who would be honest, if you will, please, and raise your hand and say, Jesus, I need you to rebuild me. And if that's you today, simply say that, Jesus, rebuild me. Thank you that you did the work to free me from my sin. Thank you that you had a vision big enough that when I wasn't walking your way, you still came and rescued me and brought me into your family. I want in on that. If that's you today, would you text the word BEGIN to 313131. We'd love to come alongside of you. And then for the rest of us, again, I just want to roll through these elements. What needs to be rebuilt in your life? What does God put in your heart? Discern who you need to tell and when you need to tell them. What wisdom do you need? What vision do you need to cast and to whom? Is God in the thing you're moving towards? Because if he's not, I would go the other direction. Are you willing to put the work in? And will you move forward even when people you thought would be beside you leave you. Let me pray for us. God, I believe that you've birthed a framework through Nehemiah's story for us today. God, I can only imagine what all might need to be rebuilt in our collective lives. God, I know there are employment situations. I know there, because I've gotten the emails, there are marriage situations that need to be rebuilt. God, there are people who no longer have the tight friendships they used to have, and God, maybe those are done for a season or forever, but maybe they need to be rebuilt or new ones need to be built in their place. Would you speak into that? God, we don't know everything our city is going to need in terms of rebuilding. We just know that that's a part of our calling for those of us who are here God, I don't know what will be missing even from our church. I I think so much is going to be more present than it was. But God, whatever might be missing, whatever's been broken down, would you help us to rebuild? God, I pray that you would provide certainly the spiritual reality of that. I also pray for the physical property that you want to lead us into, that it would really become a part, a central component of rebuilding San Francisco. God, we need you, but you're so available. Thank you for putting things on our hearts, just like Will talked about last week. And God, I can imagine that there's fear as people think about what they're called to do. Uh, I pray that you would put us, I know not everybody will ride with us for life, but God, would you do what you've been so gracious to give me and many in our leadership team? Would you give us people to do this shoulder-to-shoulder with just like Nehemiah had? God, we need people who are committed and not committed alone. Thank you. Thank you that you're for us. Thank you that even 30-plus weeks into no in-person church gatherings. You are still building a beautiful story for our future, and you're inviting us in. And God, I'm just saying, and I pray that hundreds of us would say this, I want to be a shareholder. I want a stake in the city. I want a stake in your activity. Would you move in that way for all of us, Jesus? It's in your name that we pray, amen. As you think about having a share and the future of Epic Church, the future of San Francisco, really through our church to the city, the nation, and the world, one of the best ways you and I can have a share or be shareholders is to invest financially in the mission of Epic. Hundreds of you have done this throughout this year, even in the crazy pandemic season. Thank you for how you are being a shareholder. Others of you, I know you want in. Come join us. There's room at the table. You can invest what God's given you. You can follow the text prompt that's on the screen right now. But I would even encourage you to go to our website. Be methodical about it. Make this kind of consistent commitment that, hey, I'm going to not just do this occasionally when I feel inspired. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually have a pattern to my generosity. And then others of you, you have a vision to rebuild, but you don't actually have the resources you need for the rebuild. We are wanting to come alongside of you. Would you let us? You can go to the have a need image or icon on our website and fill out a form and it just lets us know, hey, I'm trying to rebuild this part of my life and I'm, and I'm missing some resources. God has blessed others in our church in a season of your lack and we'd love to come alongside of you. Now I'm gonna turn this over to Seth as he begins to lead no longer slaves because here's what I know. If you go after a big vision, because we're all human and because of God saying, do not fear 360 plus times in the scriptures, Fear is going to enter my heart and yours at times. We're going to try about building in San Francisco. We're going to rebuild in the city that has been dilapidated in so many ways. And fear is going to creep in. And we've got to remind ourselves, even with songs like this, that no, God is for us who can be against us. We are not slaves to fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. And so the God that calls us is not the God who wants us to be afraid. Seth, lead us as we declare that truth today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the Epic SF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco.